0: Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco.
1: Good morning, everyone. You are listening to Good Morning New York. I'm Vince Rocco, and I'd like to welcome our listeners from the United States and around the world. Here in New York today, it's 42 degrees, and chilly. It's finally feeling like fall. Yay. Don't you just love fall? Love fall. I, my I'm, favorite season. I'm a seasonal person, so if it's summer, I want summer. If it's fall, I want fall, and on and on and on. And some people say, oh, it's getting too cold. Oh, it's getting this. Oh, it's getting that. So what? Right. Put a coat on. Put a sweater on. But it's a little extra chilly this morning. It was it extra chilly, chilly yeah. this morning, but it but it's it's great. And Anyway, um, I'm here with Matt Cohen, Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate. Uh, Perul Brombat is on her way. Phil Horrigan from, um, from leasebreak.com and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. My papers are all screwed up this morning. <laughs> it's <laughs> Don't fall. go by the papers. It's fall, right? <laughs> still, I guess it's still a little too chilly. Anyway, uh, in the news, a group of parents going by the name of the Coalition of District 3 Parents has sent a letter to Community Education Council 3 opposing that group's plan to rezone the Upper West Side school system. The coalition whose members are not listed on the letter says that the Educational Council overstepped its boundaries by submitting a letter to the Department of Education last week proposing its own plan for rezoning the school's. That letter shocked many parents who spoke against the plan at a meeting last week. The Wall Street Journal reported this week uh, and said that the coalition includes parents who are opposed to moving PS452 from 77th Street to 61st Street. Uh, The parent group is asking for extensive data, including emails and other correspondence from top officials about this issue to be posted to the Community Education Council's website. If they don't get it, there will be consequences. We will continue to follow this and report any new details at a later date. This is a very interesting story that's about to, I think, blow up. One of the city's best-known shopping districts is starting to look a little more like a ghost town. Experts point to climbing rents in the district as one of the driving forces behind the glut of open space, space is along Fifth Avenue from 49th Street to 60th Street. One of the priciest retail locations in the world has an average asking rent of $3,200 a square foot. This according according to Bloomberg News in 2011, asking rents were $2,075 a foot on that same stretch. Empty storefronts are plaguing much of Manhattan these days, as rents rise and retailers struggle to compete with e-commerce and demand wanes for luxury pro- uh, products. It's interesting because we've talked on this show many times about, you know, the mom-and-pop stores going away and a lot of retail stores, you know, having problems with rents and closing. And what I wasn't really picking up on until I read this report: e-commerce and and and. People ordering stuff online and on the web is keeping, you know, consumers out of stores. Not a ne- not necessarily a good thing. Again, one more thing to change the face of how we mm-hmm. we live and work here in New York City. Anyway, Extel Development Chief Gary Barnett, the poster boy for go big or go home style development projects, is going small with his latest condo. Extel will convert a historic. Park Avenue Church Rectory, building at 1010 Park Avenue into just 11 condo units down from the 17 that was proposed in 2013 filings, according to an offering plan filed with the New York State Attorney General's office last week. A total sellout price for the 16-story project was not disclosed, and a representative for Extell was not immediately available for comment. The church on the corner of East 85th Street dates back to 1911 and is well known for its stained glass windows designed by artist Louis Comfort Tiffany. is is reported to have paid the church $24.7 million for the right to redevelop the annex through no, though no prices were publicly available. Construction spending in New York City is projected to hit an all-time high of $43.1 billion by the end of this year, 2016, according to a report from the New York Building Congress. That number, which represents all the cash spent on public and private developments, is more than 25% higher than last year and is a few billion dollars above the last peak in 2007 when adjusting for inflation. The main driver of the increased activity was private companies, in particular developers building apartments, Condos and rentals, the residential construction sector remains in the midst of an historic run. And this recent tweet cr- uh, created quite the stir last week on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. The tweet read Surprise, New York City monsters! Meet me at my dad's restaurant ASAP at Joanne Trotteria. I'll be behind the bar selling and signing copies of. Joanne, That was Lady Gaga, surprising her fans on Friday night by signing copies of her new album, Joanne, at her father's restaurant at 70 West 68th Street, called Joanne's Trattoria. Joanne is named for Lady Gaga's aunt, who died from uh, very young from lupus. A massive crowd of her little monsters did show up, and it was kind of crazy in there. And so it goes, I was just there a week ago with a friend having dinner. Not so crazy about the food, by the
2: way. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that.
1: Mm, you know, the cocktails were fine, but the food was kind of... Lackluster. Anyway, I liked it better when it was um, Nick and Nick and Eddie's. Oh.
2: Remember Nick and Eddie's?
1: That spot. Okay. It's it's a great venue. It's got a beautiful outdoor space. It's Mm -hmm. got a beautiful fireplace for winter nights. But um, I don't know. Since they own it, the food is just okay. Anyway, how was everybody? Good, great. Good, good.
2: yeah. What's the market like these days? Is it picking up, slowing down, still plateauing? You know, it's hard for me to say in aggregate, but I could tell you that I've had a lot of buyers come out of the woodwork in the last month. I don't know how you guys feel about this. So I feel like stuff is, so I feel like some stuff is still sitting, this is for sales I'm talking about, stuff's still sitting on the market if it's not priced well. We've had that for a while now. Mm -hmm. The stuff that's priced well is still selling. but the buyers, interestingly, are coming out of the woodwork. Now, I read something, and we might be talking about it later. We are. Okay. But I was going to say that I have some buyers that want to buy now before the election. So mm-hmm. we can talk about that when we get to that topic. Yeah. We're
1: going to ask that. I'm going to ask that, que- that question in a bit. But just in general, I agree with you, Phil. I've seen um, some buyers coming out of the woodwork that, that I've been working with for you know most of the year who really just didn't do something, couldn't do something for whatever reason, not pull the trigger. But now it seems like. Uh, there's renewed interest. So I'm hopeful that in the next couple of weeks... Uh, we'll see a change. Anyway, temporary or so-called pressured walls, once a staple of New York City's apartment living, had gone sort of out of style in recent years, and that's because after a deadly fire made worse by the presence of illegal walls, the Department of Buildings began to crack down on these temporary walls. In fact, over the last couple of years, we've heard from management companies that they wanted nothing to do with the practice of pressurized walls in apartments, but now, according to information from DNA Info, those walls are making a comeback, provided that they meet Department of Building uh Requirements, namely that they don't create a bedroom without a window. And make any given room less than 150 square feet. So you know, is this really a sign of the times? And how did it affect the rental market over the years? Because we all know what these pressurized walls did. They cut, you know, a large room in half, a living room in two, to make us another bedroom. Sometimes with a window, sometimes (coughs) not with a window. Uh, There was a major fire that created, you know, all kinds of angst over this stuff. So they were not allowed for years. Now all of a sudden, they're allowing them back if you follow certain guidelines. But let me ask you, especially Phil, because you do a lot of rental uh, in your business, but I mean, what? I mean, how did it affect you know the the share situations
2: with people? You with, mean had the new regulation? No, of, the old when you one. couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Okay. So um, I started my business in rentals. I all I did was rentals for the first year or two, maybe even three, and I made a living off mm-hmm. of these shares. Correct. So if you want to spend fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred dollars a person in Manhattan, which is cheap, uh, or overall. And you want to be in a doorman Very. building, the way to do it is you get a friend and you get into a one bedroom, you put a wall up, you cut the living room in half, and then there's no light in the living room, but that's okay, and you create a two-bedroom. And that's how people lived, and it's a great way to get into mm-hmm. a doorman building mm-hmm. and only pay fifteen, sixteen hundred dollars. Then this issue happened in Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, I guess it uh, was. It was in Brooklyn, correct. So. And Serious. because of the fire code, the city cracked down and made all these regulations, and most landlords at that point and bear in mind the rental market was really really strong most landlords at that point just said we're out we're not doing this we don't want to we don't want to deal with the risk of having these walls up and so they just cut it completely and at the time it was pretty dramatic. I mean, I remember, you know, you had all these shares, all these people that wanted to live together, and you now the number of buildings, let's say, in your neighborhood used to be five as a broker, you could take them to. Now that maybe it was one or none, mm-hmm. and it was, it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Now what's happening is the market is softening. The rental market is softening. Mm-hmm. And these rules, there are rules. You can still do it. So now landlords are re-looking at this and they're saying, well, it's not like you can't do it completely. You just have to follow the rules. And now that the market's softening, it's a way to get more traffic into a building. Um, so, that's, so that's basically the situation and now they're allowing them again as long as you follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Agreed. But there was an interesting story that just happened in my
3: office yesterday. A colleague of mine had rented an alcove studio to two girls. Now this is a co-op building where she rented it to them. They were approved by the board. And for those of you who don't know what an alcove studio is, it's Mm -hmm. L-shaped, the capital L, so you have that little tail. Mm -hmm. Uh, The girls promised in their board interview that they were not going to put up a wall of any kind. Well, they put up a pressurized wall, but nobody knew until there was a leak from above into the apartment the super had to access it. Mm -hmm. He sees the wall, and they evicted the
1: girls. And they they have well, to leave in two days. Well, it's a co-op, and, and I can certainly understand it. But let me let me just wonder out loud: How can they put up a wall with nobody noticing? I mean, I have a super in my building that anybody who comes walks in, you know, my apartment that looks like a a, a carpenter or whatever. <laughs> he is right. On, I I forgot I was doing yeah. something the first year I moved in, and I was I, I can't remember what it was, but. No no sooner than the guy was in my apartment, the Supers ringing my bell, he spied him coming in and thought he had a little tool chest or something. He's like, well, what's going on here? And what are you doing? I don't know about it. So how do you put up a wall without people knowing?
4: I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, New York City is the perfect example of privacy. People love privacy, and they actually are able to get it, even in a dormant building, unless you give someone who works in the building access. And but how you do you could, carry
1: all those supplies beca- into the building?
4: Because it, putting up a temporary wall is extremely easy. It's it fast. could take It could take minutes. 15 yes. minutes. And yep. you know, I, I agree with Phil in terms of, I, I think it's also, like you said, I think it's a sign of the times. You know, I think they needed to bring this back because especially people who are coming out of college and getting jobs, you know, they need to have two, three, four people living in an apartment. They can't afford a real four bedroom. They
1: have to make a two bedroom into a four or a one bedroom into a
3: three.
4: And or it's great for versa. the landlords
1: because they're making a lot more money than just renting, say, a one bedroom apartment. And when you've got four or five people, you know, then there's the flip side of that, you know, is there too much ruckus in an apartment with three or four girls or three or four guys? You know. Single? I've also,
4: to, to look at a different side of this, I've also been seeing a lot recently of, I think everyone thinks of putting up temporary walls as just a shared situation in mm-hmm. terms of roommates, mm-hmm. but I've been seeing a lot of, oh, we just had a baby, mm-hmm. and we turned our yes, one bedroom into like the living room um, closer to the window into a little nursery. Whoa. And actually, I've been seeing this a lot because I've been seeing that a lot of resales keep that wall up for the resale, and they put the two floor plans up of the alternative floor Plan. Correct. And I'm so surprised that since it's a temporary wall, either that broker couldn't get the seller to take it down, or I guess I, I, I probably have a feeling it was tough with the baby. If the baby's still there,
1: I used to see a lot of that at Lincoln Towers in the alcove one bedroom, which is junior fours, right? the junior fours, right. <laughs> the, the junior <laughs> yes. yeah, and, and the alcove area, which was typically designed for your dining room table. I can't tell you how many nurseries I saw, oh, yeah. you know, uh, put in that space because it worked well, especially with the, the way the the window wall stretched across the entire apartment. So you had windows in there. You didn't have a closet, but it was a nursery, so you know, didn't a, really need much. A junior four is like my favorite unit to sell. Me too. They and, are. It's, and it's actually yeah. one of the easiest
2: yeah. to sell. You have to sometimes convince people to. Buyers that don't understand how the whole thing works, but but a junior four means that someone could buy Mm -hmm. and live there for a while, Mm -hmm. even if they have a kid. So it allows them to be in a place for five, six, seven years potentially, where Mm -hmm. you know sometimes a one bedroom. If it was just a one-bedroom, I used to tight. see
1: a lot of um, junior fours mm-hmm. over there and elsewhere where um, you converted that not into a bedroom necessarily but into an office. And some people who work from home, look, not everybody entertains and needs a dining area and a large table. So people would convert that into a, an office, a very workable office with beautiful French doors. And, you know, you had your apartment with your office, and now you still have a lot of space. Those spaces over there, by the way, were like 800-something square feet. They were very large. Yeah, 900, large. 900, <laughs> 900, actually. Yep, absolutely. So they were
4: really, really very big. I also feel like that dining alcove, whether it's in a one-bedroom called the junior four or a two-bedroom even, I think it m- makes it feel more like a home instead of an apartment. It really adds
1: it that much more space. It does. I just showed a beautiful one in... Um Battery Park City uh, to a customer of mine, a uh, buyer of mine, and you know she loved it because it was walled off in a way that it made it beautiful. It split the living room in half, and I think we're going to put an offer on it. She absolutely loved the apartment, and she could use it as a den, or if she decides to rent it out, as a condo, she can you know put it out as as two bedrooms.
2: Um, to Matt's point on why they don't take down the wall before they sell it, yes, you're right because sometimes the baby's living there. But even I think even it goes to they want to show it with the wall up because sometimes it's hard to imagine that that room is actually big enough for a yeah. nursery, an mm-hmm. office. And if you just see an open space, you know, how many buyers say, could that really be a room? Could you really fit a bed in yep. there? And the answer almost always is yes, you can. But people <laughs> don't know? have vision, as they we all know.
1: So Same so.
3: reason we stage things. But people that's have right. no vision.
1: But to Matt's point, too, you show an alter- alternate floor plan. This is how it is today with the wall. This is how it is tomorrow if you want to take the wall down. I just did that with a, a two-bedroom penthouse that's on the market currently on 47th Street. They took the second wall down in the second bedroom, and it's a huge entertaining room, but it's very easy to show them where you can put that wall back up again. We have to go to break. You're listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. Don't go away.
0: Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: The best part of being a real estate agent is in serving my client, not just their transaction. This includes sometimes advising them not to sell if it'll improve their quality of life. Once a client decided to move out of New York City to get closer to family and they were inclined to sell, I convinced them to lease their home instead. They were shocked that I was willing to take a smaller commission for a smaller project, but after a couple of years, their home nearly doubled in value. I'm John Harrison with CORE, and this is what I do.
1: All right, everybody, we are back. And, you know, the topic of this week's show is should days on market be factored into a home's value? And I think it's very important, so I want the panel's um, Mm. comments on this. So there are many factors that contribute to an apartment's attractiveness, location, architectural style, amenities, et cetera. There is one, however, that has no bearing on a home's future viability or intrinsic value, and that's days on the market. But being on the market for a long time can reduce a home's market value simply um, through the power of perception. And this is kind of what I wanted to talk about. It doesn't make sense logically that a factor that has no bearing on a potential buyer's future satisfaction in the home has such influence. However, the majority of potential buyers looking at the home that has been on the market for a long time may assume two things. Either there's something wrong with the house or the apartment, or it's overpriced, and that is why it hasn't already been snapped up. So, you know, how many times have you put a listing up and, you know, it didn't sell right away? The first question people ask when they walk in the door, how
2: long is it on the market? Right, right. What's wrong with it? Why? What's it wrong so with it? How long?
1: come it's on sixty days, whatever? And unfortunately, we have you know uh, well, real we estate. show
2: it until now.
1: Uh, well, we, you know, which I know. have had, <laughs> yeah, but okay, it's okay. a bad, but thing, I, we, a bad thing for people. Why would you put it, to it to on hear? the market yeah. though? Because right. that has
4: always exactly. bothered me when, when people
3: well, put an apartment on the market mm-hmm. and you don't have they,
4: access for another two weeks. Yes, And they write it in the description. That's funny.
1: but
3: why? Well,
4: I had one seller.
1: I had one seller tell me exactly to build up demand to get it out there and make people fight over trying to get in. I said. Well, exactly. It used to be that way. Uh, In fact, brokers used to Intentionally do stuff like that. Uh, photos to come, cool. floor plan to come, first showing, not that. for eight well, days. It's the end of the well, but that's not the market the today. So we yeah. don't really well, do that. Yeah, and right?
5: I think that Street Easy and some of these other tools out well, there have completely changed the way that works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, I mean, the biggest thing is we can't build demand in the same way we used no. to, as far as that is concerned.
1: That's unfortunate.
5: On the other side of that mm-hmm. is, is I think fundamentally, it's the way we run searches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a buyer is new to the market, market, or even as an agent, if you have a buyer who's new to the market, you run initially a search of everything out there, right? Mm-hmm. And then you scour through and you pick out the apartments. But doesn't mean we catch all of them. doesn't mean that the buyer was ready to see the apartments that were the good fits for them you know, in the first or second time that we take them out to see apartments. And then what happens is is we sort of all mentally say, oh, okay, I already have gone through all of these. Now I'm just going to set my settings so that it just shows whatever's new in the last seven days or in the last 14 days. And all of a sudden, if I missed a unit or five in a search that could have been great fits, I may not be, if I'm not as a broker being exceptionally sort of, um, tenacious about making sure that I've gone through and really looked at everything over and over again that I may just miss those and buyers are doing the same thing
2: I, I, I just want to totally agree with that and on that point that's the reason why the value eventually gets hurt is because not as many people are seeing apartments that are on the market for three months four months five months and the number of people in the door ultimately is, is what gets an apartment sold you know you what you can you can have multiple bids you have more serious buyers in the beginning so I always tell sellers it's so critical that first two weeks mm-hmm. is the most most critical out of any two week period. You wanna make sure all the photos, all the pictures, everything is perfect, ready to go. You even want to strategically make sure that there's enough time for everyone to get to that first open house. So you, mm-hmm. you don't want to put it on a Friday like a lot of agents do because mm-hmm. they want to get the direct direct buyers and miss brokers and all this. There's all these reasons why people put it on a Friday. Terrible idea. Mm-hmm. put it Awful. on Tuesday, mm-hmm. Wednesday, maybe Exactly, yep. Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, right? And so it's critical because the more time it's on the market, less people will see it and that it will wind up selling for less. And mm-hmm. I'm convinced and I'm sure we all are from our experience, it will yes. definitely Definitely sell for less than it would have sold had it been priced the right the The
5: frustration of this, I wanted to first explain sort of the phenomenon, but the frustration of this is the following. Sellers generally, especially in today's market, really want to try to maximize what price it is. I mean, sellers always want to maximize what price it is that they're going to be able to get for their apartment. Very often at the very beginning, it's very tough for us as brokers to really bring them to the point that the deal is actually going to happen because everybody wants to at least shoot for the rafters for a little bit. Not everybody, but often that is the case. And right now it's a bargainer's market. So what happens is in the first couple of weeks, the seller isn't quite ready to get to a price point that makes sense and the buyer isn't quite ready to get to a price point that makes sense. And all of a sudden, by the time we get to a point where we can get to, that it's already been over those 15 days on market. And as a result, you know, to Vince's point, should... T- you know days on market count as a metric well it is is. An, it should be an indicator however unfortunately what it's become is a big determinant in how it is that people are making decisions on these apartments or whether even seeing them or not and I think therein lies the problem and at the
4: end of the day you're dealing with New York City and people in this city are more savvy than almost anywhere else in the world mm-hmm. so you know we're not dealing with buyers who don't know what's going on we're dealing mm-hmm. with buyers who fully understand and they understand the concept of something sitting there and mm-hmm. the first thing they're going to ask is why it's just like anything else in the world but also to go on to phil's point what i have found very interesting throughout my career and something i've actually learned is that i you know i used to put a listing on the market and the seller would say i want an hour and a half or two hours for my open house um i don't you know i want to give people as much time to get in there and you know be able to go to lunch and whatever And recently, something I've learned from a bunch of my colleagues is that you should—I have actually argued a good amount with some of my sellers just because there's a new fad in having an hour open house, which I always used to think was silly because it's too short a time to get buyers. But it actually creates that demand because if you can get more people in there in a shorter amount of time, Mm -hmm. then— you know, it tells exactly the perception of the buyer is much different as opposed to if you have it for two hours and you know someone comes every fifteen minutes. So people are in the apartment with no one else. That kind of makes them think well, there's no interest. I yeah. do an hour and a half
2: for that. Exactly. <clears throat> no, too. I think an hour. I just think is too short, given people's schedules. I want to make sure that they see yes. that they can't not fit ours into their schedule. Wait, well, it's it's a very interesting know? phenomenon because my
1: partner Shane does the same thing. He's he agrees with what Matt just said one hour. That's all he's doing, and he wants right. to cram everybody into mm-hmm. that one hour. And as we all know whether it's an hour and 90 minutes or two hour open house, everybody tends to come right at the end anyway. And mm-hmm. because everybody, you know, they're running around seeing a whole bunch of things and whatever. And if people I, really want to see the apartment, they'll make time for that hour. I tend that's to, to do, what I, I tend to still do an hour and a half. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 <laughs> I think this <laughs> is also, <You're> next, <laughs> you're next. but I tend to agree with Phil though, because I still will do the hour and a half. The first one I'll always do two hours and Subsequent open houses, I will do an hour and a half. You know, when, when if Shane is doing it, it's his week. You know, I know it's only going to be an hour, but anyway, go ahead.
3: I always do an hour and a half, <laughs> but I have been fooling around the last month or so with these hour open houses, and I have found they're not working in Manhattan because it's not a matter of people will get there if they want to. It's fall. Oh no, a street yeah. fair! I can't get across town. Well, oh no, well, my car can't go around. Well, wait, wait. There's so a lot has this been on the Upper East? Yes.
4: Okay. So yes. I actually think it's also neighborhood-wise, and I think it's—I don't be. even yes. know if it's neighborhood-wise. I think it's uptown versus downtown because yeah. who I've learned this from the most is my colleague Adee Kriegsmeier. Of course, mm-hmm. she does yeah, almost all hot. the sales at Chelsea Stratus. She's amazing, and she only has ever done our open mm-hmm. houses, and no one sells apartments quicker than she. Like I, she sells apartments so quickly, and I think it's a downtown thing. Well, I truly really think in, people if, are if so on top of it, well, and they don't—they don't have anything else planned. I say. And on the uptown. I I think they have, you know, mm-hmm. people have families, people have
5: yeah, to location, you know. location, location. location. Less absolutely. No, but too. they physically yeah, cannot trail. or this
3: yeah. this week is the marathon. And this week well, is this going week is to be. A disaster. be yeah, it will a disaster. be. But no matter how much people plan, there's always going to be some kind of a street fair, some right. marathon, some blockage where people just can't get across town. Like,
1: but based on well, that's true. But based on <laughs> but based on neighborhood, also as these guys were saying, I do a lot of sales uh, listings in Midtown West, Hell's Kitchen, and I know from history for seven years that do not start an open house before twelve o'clock mm-hmm. because no one's coming. Everybody's sleeping in. Saturday night West Side out. Also. Oh, no one's coming to an open house before 12 or <laughs> no even, I've been pushing it to 1230 start because it's like I'm sitting there at 11 o'clock twiddling my night I want to get on with my day too right. but no 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 have you ever so done the 11 to
2: 12 like those ones like no one's there to like 1150 right. right. I think it's also yes,
5: important that. as brokers to sort of see I, I, you know what's interesting to me is I will walk into preview, to preview an apartment at an open house and casually have a conversation with a broker and how often the broker has no understanding of what else in the same price range oh, In in the the same neighborhood, in the same few blocks as even on the market, um, let alone what time the other open houses are. And I, you know, while we can't always plan it perfectly, I do think it's important to have some cognizance around like when other people are also holding their open houses to try to get the heaviest amount of traffic. Because if it's timed around the same time, then people can get in and get. To see all the apartments mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. Especially as if it's
2: well. in the building, right? In yeah, the same exactly.
3: Right. Exactly. But, but there are problems with that, and I've been having this problem with one listing I have. Many buildings on the Upper East Side will assign you an open house time. What? Yes. Oh, I've never heard that. Or you have yeah. yes. to reserve? Yes. 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 They will either yeah. assign you a time or they will not allow. Well, Lincoln the one open house. Lincoln
1: Towers over here was doing that for a really really while. Well. There are
3: many school. of these buildings that do that. Here's a instance, day. what I usually do if there is a listing very similar to mine in a building. Even if the broker's from another company, mm-hmm. I'll call them up and Me I'll say, too. why don't we bounce them off each mm-hmm. other?
2: Mm-hmm. In this
3: particular idea. building, I can't do that, even though I'm friendly with actually two other brokers that have two other listings very similar mm-hmm. because the building won't allow it. Yeah. Right. They also will not allow weekday <laughs> brokers open houses. Right. So I'm left out of that. And that is very common mm-hmm. on the Upper East Side and certain buildings on the Upper West Side. Right. I so, also,
4: just to just so. to give a personal Example of the whole days in the market. So my parents are actually moving back to the city, and they went. Oh, they we went. To, it's it's exciting, except they're looking Is that at something that's like fifteen now? blocks Who's away broker? from me. Uh, some <laughs> some horrible guy.
3: <laughs> um, some so millennial. We, we, yeah. <laughs> we
4: went to um, an open house on Sunday um, on the Upper West, uh, just off Central Park West, and it's a great great apartment. But it's been on the market for over two months, and the first thing my dad said was. Why? And, um, you know, ask me. And then he asked the broker. And yep. then we talked about price decreases. And then, you know, the broker stood there for like 15 minutes trying to explain why it's been on the market for over two months. And all he could say was I think the maintenance is a little high. Oh. And that was it. That was it. And the maintenance is not that high. So I was, I, I just stood there. I, I try not to express too why, much why, of how why, I'm you know, feeling, why, but why do I really. Why you think
3: it's been on the market for that?
4: I think they started overpriced. I also think that, um, you know, it's the market's been slow.
5: Yeah, I mean, so I think I, that's it's, the first no, thing it's I an said. election year. I this, think people are, right? There's so much going on. I don't right. know about the rest of you, but I could also attest to the fact that the market isn't the busiest. You know, and and there are people kicking tires a little bit. There's a lot of wait and see. There's just a, it's a way see to see See how good my panel is over here.
1: That's exactly how I wanted to conclude this segment. Oh. With <laughs> the reason why, you know, length of time on the market isn't always so terrible in this particular case, the election year, I believe, has slowed everything down. Yeah. And we are, in, in your case, with your parents, I mean, look, maybe it was overpriced, maybe not. Maybe it's just been a sucky, you know, quarter. And, exactly. and people are just not buying. With that, we're going to break. We'll come right back. Don't go away.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com
2: in the spirit of have couch will travel dr carol lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it but now there's an answer
0: VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco If you want to call into the program We're toll free in North America At 1-866-472-5788 That's 1-866-472-5788
1: Now, back to the show all right, everybody. We are back here with Matthew Cohen from Core Real Estate, Peru Brumbat from okay. Compass, Phil dot leasebreak.com, and Deborah Hoffman from Town Residential. All right. Great conversation. I just had one last thought on the, um, the length of time on market. Are you guys, you know, we have a, a, a site here in town that everybody, all the consumers use called Street Easy. And the only one um, last thing I wanted to ask is on that topic. So I'm now beginning to see, you know, emails to me from StreetEasy before buyers even see the property. They say, "How come this has been on the market 62 days? How come this has been on the market 30? Should I should I, you know, still come to see it? Is there any room in the price, whatever, whatever?" They're making the assumption mm-hmm. that it's a price point because it's on the market for over 30 days, whatever the number is, in some cases, 100 days. And I'm thinking, uh, how do I respond to that? Are you guys seeing the same inquiries from the Street Mm -hmm. Easy crowd? Sometimes. I mean, it's not often, but I do see it. You know, Just enough. like everything in this world, you know,
4: nothing is perfect. Street Easy is one of those things that I think has its pros and cons. Mm-hmm. I think it has a lot of pros, it I does. have to say. It mm-hmm. But <laughs> one of the cons, I almost sometimes feel like Street Easy is that younger sibling who just is trying to annoy you sometimes. Yeah. And, they, and they're like reminding <laughs> yeah, my and buyers, like, this is still here, yeah. this is yeah, still here, yeah. why yeah. is mm-hmm. it still here? Yeah, they
2: succeed <laughs> in the chair. It is a little bit market dependent uh, meaning what I mean by that is like so I had a recently s- situation where it was a great it was priced very well an apartment priced very very well my buyers saw it and buyers will see it I went circling around this apartment it's been on the market for like two three weeks no offers one person makes an offer someone else makes an offer yeah. been. now all of a sudden yeah. it goes for way over ask right. so the reason I mention that is because it is market dependent in the sense that yes, yeah, sometimes even something priced well mm-hmm. will sit for one, two, three weeks. People <clears throat> are circling, nothing actually happens, right. and so as a broker, you have to like we. I, I always do this, and I'm sure you guys do too. Extensive pricing analysis to see well is this priced well? Sometimes it's priced really, really well, but people are just hesitant, and so you Absolutely. could be the first one out there. Mm-hmm. However. When things sit long, long, month, one month, two months, three months, I would say with like ninety nine percent certainty, it's overpriced. It's like almost always the
5: case, except for one exception. And I think in Mm. today's market, and especially this specific fall, what I've noticed is Mm. if there are multiple units in the same line Mm. that are on the market at the same time, it's really weird what's happening because there's optionality. Nobody pulls the trigger.
2: Yes, but that is that is why prices go down though? Right. and then, well, and then yes. people ask why
4: are there so many apartments in the building for sale right. I right. love getting that question yeah. because I'm like
5: oh, I it's a big building
4: yeah. it's a big building I is don't that, know there are 400 apartments in it yeah. so apartment right. every single
3: apartment <laughs> is a one bedroom so people don't stay in a one bedroom more than seven years exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah,
5: absolutely all right
1: moving on is there any type of housing more aspirational than the penthouse the top of the building apartment has been or has been it has been considered the creme de la creme of the city real estate since the advent of the elevator, hmm. But is it all what it's cracked up to be? Why are penthouses so, you know, Whoever. I mean, Wait. real penthouses? Why are they so, you know, big?
3: I, I just want to tell a very quick story, which I was reading this book about the original big, fancy apartment buildings, like, and they were uh, stressing the Dakota. <laughs> mm. And originally, when the very tall buildings were built... The penthouse was the least desirable place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's where the staff was put. Absolutely. And Isn't not that because amazing? it was. Exactly. That's why and I had said. had nothing mm-hmm. to do with elevators, but it really was. And if you've ever been in any of the penthouses in the Dakota, they're really cobbled together little tiny rooms, which are not that attractive. Of course, it's different as our city grew up and we became more of a vertical city. Things are different, but. I'll let everyone else chime in now.
1: There are still I penthouses, though, that you go to the top floor and then you walk up a flight of stairs mm-hmm. to get to the penthouses oh, the, um, for that yeah, reason. 25 the, Central Park West. Correct, so because the, the elevators never went up to that right. level because it was all for staff. Yeah, the way, right? way my Absolutely. clients react to the idea of
4: a penthouse is the way I interpret it. And also, I actually just moved to the top floor of a building. I don't call it a penthouse, but, <laughs> but it is the top floor. it's a penthouse and floor my, in most cases. Right, and my idea was I had come from an apartment where there was a family living above me and they were always bouncing balls, so I really liked the idea of no one being above <laughs> me. But um, I think it's very interesting because if you take it for a you know a regular client who's looking at a penthouse that is not some extremely exclusive thing in Soho, um, I think they probably have the same idea of you know it's private. There's no one above me. It's nice to have the top floor. It'll usually have a tour space. Um, you know, people love views. <laughs> um, you know, but at the other at the other side of things just people who are more private, people like celebrities, I think they like the idea of a lot of buildings downtown even have private elevators for yeah. just right. the penthouses. Right. <clears throat> um, you know, but on a negative side of things, I mean, and I've been going through this for the first two months of living in my now place, which you call the penthouse mm-hmm. floor, is it takes a while, especially during rush hour, like in the morning going to work, to go up and down the elevator because it stops rush on
1: every hour floor. Elevator. <laughs> Isn't that stop? Well, that's very true. Well, exactly. That's and, very true. and
5: to answer the Question of like, is the penthouse the best thing ever? Right, is there's actually so if you're near a park it's really great to be around between the 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th floors depending on how big the park is. So, for instance, if you're in Madison Square Park, mm. you know, since it's a smaller park, to be sort of at tree line to like slightly above tree yeah. line level is beautiful. Absolutely. If you're at Central Park, being a bit higher but not too high mm. is actually the right place mm. to be. So, sometimes it's like the 11th, 12th, 13th floor versus like the 20th floor because by then you're so far up above the park that you're not getting the same view. Now, I'm talking... About If you're on 5th Avenue or Central Park West, if you're either on 110th Street or on 58th Street, then you can go pretty high because then you're on the long side of the park and then you get a very different perspective. Mm -hmm. But a tree line perspective, kind of like oceanfront property, um, you know, where you kind of want to be at a lower versus a super high level is an interesting fact as well. One
2: thing I think is really important. So I think the benefits are well established, but I always tell my buyers to be on to look out for the major negative, which is being on the top floor, which is there could be leaks. Um, in fact Absolutely. if you look at any building the apartment that gets the most leaks tends to be the top floor mm-hmm. because of I mean depends how old the roof is mm-hmm. so if you're doing your due diligence just make sure the attorney Researches to see how old is the roof, have there been many leaks, that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. there really is real risk there. So I sometimes tell my buyers the best place to be is like the floor below the top floor, assuming that the top the person on the top floor isn't isn't making a lot of noise. But I mean, like you just, I am <laughs> yeah. so noisy. Yeah, I'm, so the, I'm the worst. <laughs> yeah.
4: you're
1: not bouncing balls on the floor to irritate the people. Yeah, every day. He's box. walking around
5: wearing <laughs> heels. Clearly, I
1: that. yes, <laughs> yes. Every day I'm practicing. There,
2: and <laughs> know, on know that point, a lot of attorneys will bring that up, so mm-hmm. it's good True. for you to bring they it up do. first, because they, they will all of a sudden tell the buyer, uh, "Well, like we should, you know, there's a big risk of leaks, right?" And then the buyer freaks out. So it's good to kind of talk about this. before And if
4: you're someone like Vince who has a dog,
2: uh-huh. you probably
4: don't want to be on too high of a floor because you have to take them out for walks. Yeah, well, so huh. like when my parents, for example, were looking at this apartment on Sunday, it was on the third floor, and they have a dog, and they love the idea that they could mm. not take the elevator and walk down the stairs. If I they really love it when I can just walk up and down the yeah. street.
1: Right. Other thing I want to clarify about penthouses is let's clearly understand the differences between penthouses in new development buildings. Mm-hmm. You know, they're penthouse floors. They might be five or six apartments on the floor. That's not really the old definition of penthouse. Mm-hmm in the old pre-wars or in other lofty kind of buildings where you have one, maybe two. Like, we have two penthouses in my building in the pre-war. They're penthouses. There's enormous outdoor space. There's one or two per per top floor. In my building, the elevator does go to the penthouse level. So, you know, be careful when you're out there buying a penthouse. You know, if you're on the seventh floor, like in the building that I'm selling all the time, you know, you got four other or five other apartments on the floor with a pH in front of it. So, it's pH one, it's pH two, it's pH three. All right. Well, that's nice when you're writing your Address. I live in Penthouse Seven, which stands.
2: PH stands for Phil Hargan. Well, there yeah. you go. So I think that
5: I might that. might have been I the best that. plug I've heard on the radio. <laughs> awesome. <That is> awesome. <laughs>
3: One last negative that people don't think about with penthouses, unless they've been there or any very high floor apartments, is once you get up to the thirty seventh floor or so, when a storm rolls in. You are in the middle of the clouds, which sounds very cool, but as someone who's been in the middle of the clouds quite often, mm-hmm. it's incredibly creepy. <laughs> and I have heard from families moving out of penthouses and out of far- high-floor apartments, some children are terrified because you can't see out.
1: You really can't. I, I showed the 85th floor at uh, 157 West 57th Street You know when, when it was going up. And we were standing up on the floor, 85th or 86th floor, and it was a miserably cloudy, kind of nasty, rainy kind of day. It was very scary, and my buyer just mm-hmm. looked at me and she said, "Well, what happens if a plane can't see where it's going?" <laughs> oh God! Oh <gasps> Jesus! She did. I, yeah, yes. thought, well, Actually, she did, and I thought, "Well, she oh, did." I said, "Well, she's wow. indeed. The plane's not going to fly that low. Trust me." But she felt like, as I did, we were but, completely yeah. engulfed in clouds, like when you're flying in an airplane, you can't see out the window. And I thought, and I just to I,
3: put everyone's mind at, at ease, all the buildings by federal regulation have all kinds of. Very dense flashing lights along the tops of right. them, just so that won't happen. <laughs> I, I
1: got, no, but I got what she meant, though. Yeah, I, she knew I it wasn't going to come yeah. crashing into the building, but she's like, I feel like I'm in an airplane in the middle of the clouds, and if I yeah. can't look out my window and feel safe or Mm -hmm. comfortable whatever you know it was a little spooky for her
4: on the opposite side a few months ago I took a client of mine to 432 Park and mm -hmm. it was very cool Mm because we were on the 71st floor and the the clouds were actually like on the 50th floor (laughs) and it was and you were looking down on the clouds that was one of the coolest things yeah yeah, when you
1: get when you get that kind of situation and and that does exist you know then the the, the, the view is amazing I've been at the Time Warner buildings many times Mm -hmm. on the higher floors that the views are stunning I I was I'm going Absolutely to say, I
5: actually I I find it to be like I don't know I don't find it to be creepy I really sort of Almost calming. Yeah, it's calming. I like yeah. it. It, it. It's calming. It's almost feels like I'm living in a cloud. Depends like it's it's on, a, a cloud. on a positive <laughs> side, yes. Oh, sweet. But, but this is
1: what makes New York City real estate <laughs> work, yeah. And, and yeah, something exactly. for everyone. And Absolutely. to plug a really quick funny
4: funny thing about penthouses, um, one of my clients who actually, I helped him buy an apartment on the top floor of a co-op building downtown um, two years ago. He's actually been going through five months with the board, oh, and he's a millennial, um, about naming his apartment <clears throat> pH 28A not 28A he's trying to get a pH in front of it so that he can put it on the door of the co-op
1: and why? Grow, <laughs> grow up what a well it's you know it's not, a it's to be fair no. there's a, a value co-op. No, no, no,
3: there, there is but in a co-op <laughs> no I, I agree with you things arise that you really will have to fight over he even there laughs could be at, leaks. There could be like that. at it that's why I'm laughing at if you start annoying a co-op over something like that and something real happens they're not going to take you seriously
4: exactly
1: Oh, what a baby <laughs> no, but, I, <laughs> but, I, but I agree with that but my comment yeah. that is so why would that be such angst to a co-op board I mean it's like one what apartment what up why there, is, is it
5: a big deal just
1: yeah. Put, yeah it shouldn't it's be not, a big deal but, but your point but is, is correct it. Right, it's I mean, it's not a big
3: deal but to
5: fight over it I mean it.
4: I just sold a condo that was 7A but I named it
1: PH7A just to show people it was well, on the PHA, top floor
5: yeah Maybe. I do that too yeah you did. <laughs> I, did. Yeah, you so I did.
1: have I have a penthouse on the market right now on the yeah. seventh floor of, on the seventh floor of my building, um, where I, I sell a lot and it's it's penthouse five north. Yeah. Know, so and it's only on the seventh floor. So I mean it is what it is. Yeah. But it, it's always
4: with it's j- penthouse five on the seventh floor. Because there are
1: five five, five units pence. on that floor. So five it's penthouse penthouses. one. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> too much Halloween. <laughs> Way too much Halloween. Too much Halloween. Okay. With that said, we are going to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about how we vet buyers. You're listening to Good Morning New York and the Voice of America Variety Channel. Don't go away. I
5: was going to be like...
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: I've been a real estate broker for 14 years, and I really believe that success in any business happens one happy customer at a time. A client once told me, Maggie, you're going to be my broker for life. And I really take a lot of pride in that. When you exceed a customer's expectations, you know you've done a great job for them. You've gone above and beyond. They're going to give you repeat business. They're going to refer you to their family and friends. It means that they really, really trust you. I'm Maggie Kent with CORE, and this is what I do.
2: 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Stimulating
0: talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. Voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788.
1: Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back with Matthew, Perule, Phil, and Deborah. So a couple in their thirties lived in New York City for many years, but once they decided to get married, they purchased a home on Long Island. They have since had two children, they raised the children, and despite the conveniences of suburban living like a big backyard for their kids to play in and a high quality public school system, they often think about a return to the city and wonder how far their finances would stretch. In the city, so my question to you guys is, and I get this all the time, empty nesters. You know, they raise their kids uh, out of the city in the suburbs. They want to come back into town, uh, but they realize that they may be priced out or that the prices are too high. So, do we do we vet these people more more than others, or how do we go about qualifying? Them
2: to buy here in the city. Do you mean Pied-a-Terre buyers, or no, are they coming here full time? Full time, and their kids are already grown up. Kids and are grown up, either in
1: school or yeah, adults on their own. Empty nesters want to come back to live, and they started in the city mm-hmm. as young people. They moved out, and now they want to come back in again.
4: Having family in Long Island, and I've had a lot of clients like that. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So having family in Long Island, Westchester, and New Jersey, I do get a lot of empty nester referrals, um, and I used to vet them more if it was specifically a co-op. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, I've actually found that a lot of empty nesters appreciate new developments when they're coming back to the city because yes. they like the idea of after living in a house, mm-hmm. being back into something new. Yes. Um, That's where I've seen it. But it's not only a vetting. It takes a conversation with them to explain not only the price and the qualifications, but also closing costs. I mean, you know, people are not as familiar when it comes to the city with closing costs, whether it's a new development That's or if my it's resale because especially if you're getting a mortgage there are some bank closing costs that people f- either forget about because they've owned a house for so long they don't know um that they just don't know they and don't. and it's very and they're hefty so that is more that what they need to be up to date with
1: and also the way we do a transaction here in New York City mm-hmm. is completely different completely regardless different. of new development or co-op or whatever well Use of attorneys, you know, for for one. Uh, so it's very different.
4: And I would love to hear Deb's opinion on yes. this because well, she's also in right. It, well, no, not only that, you also know a lot of people with houses, and yes. I think a lot of people who sell their house and move back into an apartment. Mm-hmm. One of the first questions is also when are we doing the inspection? With an inspector, I get that right. from everyone.
3: And, I get and that, that from anyone. That state. is
4: something yeah. that needs to also be put yes. in its place. Well, no.
3: as someone who is <laughs> Sorry, of that, that was age, really harsh. Boom. And Sorry. yes, and fifty percent <laughs> of of my friends are either doing this now. They're doing it in two different ways, which I think is interesting. And what I like to do is I like to physically meet them in the city because hey, you're relocating here for lunch or dinner. I bring all kinds of documentation as to closing costs, what condo and co-op boards are looking for. And yes, many are looking at new development, but a lot are not. Someone to be near children or grandchildren who have definitely decided to make this their home and they're staying in the city. And so many others lived like I did on the Upper West Side in the 70s. And remember that their one-bedroom apartment was $500 a month. So they figure, okay, I'll add a little bit more on to that, and that's how much it's going to cost. They really don't know prices. And they really get over the sticker shock a lot easier between that, closing costs, all kinds of mm-hmm. things, if you're sitting and talking with them. Now, another group of my friends, and I have three friends who are doing this, which I thought was very interesting, is they each took rental pied-à-terres in the city. They still have their homes out in either Westchester County or yeah, Burton there, County. Yeah, there's a lot of that. And what they're doing is because they like the convenience of taking a car and going to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's in the suburbs and being in and out in 20 minutes as opposed to waiting in the lines here. And the food costs are a little more expensive here. Um, but they're trying to ease their way in. So they're that's what they're doing. And those people are a little more realistic as to what to expect, because by that point of having a part-time home here, they're already looking through Street Easy or they're talking to me on a constant basis, and we're watching the market, we're watching costs.
4: So. And then and and to <clears throat> add to that, I know this mm-hmm. is going a little off the topic that you suggested, but you know, I really want to harp on this inspection thing because so many <laughs> of these <laughs> empty nesters who have houses come and look at apartments and they want to do an inspection and this is a very touchy subject because a yeah. lot of buildings especially co-op buildings at a certain size a will not let an inspector go into the necessary places they would need to go to complete Absolutely. a full inspection. Well, but you Like know a what? boiler but, room like a roof. But then there's a the like learning
1: that. experience and, and I've learned mm-hmm. in almost 15 years of this business because I get it often enough too as Deborah said before I just let them they want to spend six to $800 doing an inspection that's not necessary go have at it. Exactly. Right? Go have at it they because won't in the
2: building Exactly. Just go do it. And the last thing you want to be is the person that suggests heavily they don't get one. Exactly. And there's a problem. God forbid there's a problem. That's true. You know, when you're fighting with the listing agent because the listing
1: agent doesn't want to agree with this. I'm like, you know what? It has nothing to do with you as a listing agent or me as the buyer's agent. They want to spend their money, let them do it. Right. It's a building, it's not a house.
3: Condos and new development are are a different story, but when it comes to co ops, nine out of 10 times, I've been able to convince people not to do it because not only will the super who is very territorial and mm-hmm. He has a right to be. He does. Over his boiler room, his roof, everything. Absolutely. But what many people don't realize is every year, co-op buildings must be inspected by an outside Correct. inspector Correct. and have all these things inspected or they lose their tax deductibility status.
1: My building's inspected and like twice a year. It's yeah. amazing. Everything. They go That's from top right. to bottom. I mean, and they all of do that, that is
3: in the minutes. Correct. So when they read the minutes, if they're dissatisfied or if they want to pay, like you said, $800 to have mm. just their unit <clears> inspected, you could check all the outlets, have a good time. Fine.
1: That I, I totally agree. Let's works. move on. When I read this story, I thought it was really funny. Last weekend's taxi app news was both bad, funny, and just bad, bad. So this happened. According to <laughs> Gothamist, a New York Times reporter had the unfortunate luck of finding herself in an Uber pool car from Williamsburg to the West Village with a couple that was making out just a few inches from her, okay? Since it was the second time this happened to her, the brave woman decided to speak up and the lusty couple responded by saying, if she didn't like it, go get yourself an Uber X instead, which is a private car. So I was in an Uber... Pool for the first time on Saturday, and I had a lovely experience. It was a smaller car, so I thought, oh, God, this is going to be crazy, and I just read this story, but I was in first. We stopped and picked up two, um, I guess, middle-aged women. It was a quiet ride the entire way down to the village. I was going to 14th Street, and all was good. So I'm thinking back to this story. I would have been a little irritated with that, too, because it's rude. But what do you think? What, I what love kind of- this story. <laughs> yes,
4: it's, it's stories like this. where well, we have two minutes. No, no, seriously. Jeff- it's stories oh. like this that make you love New York City. Yeah. I mean, so I was in Brooklyn all day Saturday for both a birthday party and a Halloween party, and This story came into mind because I was trying to decide at 3 in the morning if I wanted to take an Uber pool or a regular Uber back to my apartment (laughs) from Brooklyn. And I was like, you know what? Let's go regular Uber. Like, I don't want anyone else in it. And At 3 o'clock in the morning,
1: I wouldn't want to do a pool. It was also like
4: a 20-minute ride. Um, And the driver during it was asking me about my costume. Like, do you really think it makes sense? And then I thought to myself, maybe I should have just gotten the pool. (laughs) So, (laughs) I
1: don't know. Well, you might have had
5: a couple of other people that are, you know, If you go to like certain countries like Brazil, for instance, you know, it's people are just much more affectionate and romantic. And I have to admit, it's like even other parts of the country, you see people holding hands more in New York City. You don't see that as much. No. And so I'm not advocating like full on like. Idiotic. Crazy PDA, but yeah. <laughs> but that being said, I have to say that I almost find it a, a little heartwarming when I do see that expression in this city because you it's not the city of love. I'm kind of with Parole. unfortunately. Like, so <laughs> what
2: did the what did the reporters say yeah. to speak up? Like, don't do that, it's rude. I mean people have no, a right the, the, the do the that. No, the reporter the reporter
1: just said, Okay, fine, you know maybe next time I'll take a go rest. You know what I was saying? I mean, like, she, she was brave enough to huh? say, Hey, wait a minute, guys, you know, yeah, this right. is a little crazy when and can people the couple, make out in a car? But first of all, would you <laughs> want to do that in front of strangers? I mean, it's it's a little. a thing. Well, top my thing is just don't did just
5: grope. You know,
4: well,
1: I was in a very small Uber pool on Saturday, so I don't know if
5: happening it. too. But you know, if it's just a make out, like my ah, my thing is
1: just
4: don't grope each other on the subway. Yeah, exactly. Like on the subway when there's so many people and you're on top of each other, just don't do it. Well, just don't on. do on, you know when it's I'm not. I'm a, I'm like, <laughs> it's also kind of dirty, like. You want to stop
3: with that? I hate when people clip their nails on the subway so gross, Ooh, really? Gross. Gross. Or yeah. even eating it's like McDonald's. doing your makeup while you're yeah.
4: driving.
1: Like, I always see women doing that. All right, everybody, we have to go. That's our <laughs> show for this out. week. It Thanks for joining it. us. You can catch the show anytime on podcast yeah. or on our website, voiceamerica.com, or at vincerocco.com nice. for all of us at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Next time is Election Day, next Tuesday. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>